Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest updates from the world of sports, gambling, and pop culture. Because you can't have a show without hot takes or a Tiger King meme these days. Know what I'm saying? Now, with over 200 episodes and ready to get after it again, here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. I'm your host, Dwayne Callender. Got plenty to talk about NBA-wise, so we're going to get right down to it. I was proceeding to rip my eyeballs out uh, during the Eastern Conference uh, semifinals. So now we're stuck with the Eastern Conference finals from hell between the Atlanta Hawks and (laughs) the Milwaukee Bucks, led by Coach Bud Mike Budenhoser. I mean, considering that they came within an inch of... Kevin Durant's size 17 and a half feet, taking them out of the playoffs because Coach Bud literally botched the simplest attacks. Uh, Tess of just denying Durant the ball and flashing a double team at him while Durant hit what should have been a game and series clinching three pointer against the Bucks, only for it to be ruled a two pointer and allowed again to go into OT. Uh, you know, the Bucks literally. Did everything humanly possible to lose that series to the Nets with no Kyrie Irving, a James Harden who couldn't move with a busted hamstring, and a tiring Kevin Durant, and not much else. And the Bucks played them to lose that series and were essentially advanced by default because the Nets just ran out of steam with it just being the KD show down the stretch. It was like it was one of the most pathetic coaching jobs you will ever see in your entire life. But, you know, it is what it is at this point. You know, I can harp on how bad the Eastern Conference has been, uh, but, you know, I'm just going to be blue in the face because nothing, I, I don't know what else you could say other than how pathetic things have been uh, the last, uh, I would say, it, it, it's it's going back through multiple uh, trends at this stage uh, because you've got uh, you've got uh, you've got Philly getting themselves eliminated uh, by and I can't believe I'm saying this an Atlanta Hawks team that they've played hard no question about it. But if you look at the mismatch pieces on that Hawks team, there's no way ever Philly should be getting bounced by that Hawks team. I, I, as much as I like Doc Rivers, you know, 
this is a fireable offense just for losing to that Hawks team in the first place in the playoffs. And Ben Simmons, the less said about Simmons, the better, because I've never seen an actual NBA point guard become so afraid of his actual job that in in the (laughs) ending of playoff games, he's getting benched consistently for rookies. Now, in Game 7, Doc didn't bench Ben Simmons, and it made it worse. The Sixers could have won that Game 7 if they had benched Ben Simmons. And the most egregious play is Ben Simmons has a wide-open dunk available to him, and he tries to throw it back out because he's... I mean, we've done parody videos of this. He is scared of Trey Young at five foot eight. He's five foot eight, folks. He's not five eleven. He he's as much as a five eleven player as Kyler Murray is. They are stat padding these short dudes. I mean, the guy is a dwarf compared to Ben Simmons at six eleven. And the fact that Ben Simmons is is claiming that Danilo Gallinari he of less than half a block per game was right there, and he's afraid of Gallinari blocking him. I'm sorry. It's just so tiring listening to these clowns. And, you know, it's not good for anyone watching such terrible basketball. Uh, I I almost, in a way, have to agree. You know, you never want to say violence is the answer, but I almost have to agree with uh, Shaquille O'Neal, who said, point blank, if he if he was Ben Simmons' teammate, he probably would have thrown hands at him. Uh, well before that series, he qu- he called out Embiid for not throwing hands at Ben Simmons because of how bad that Simmons has been playing. It, it's just incomparable that Simmons tanked that entire team and no one held him accountable. And now, after Game Seven, you hear Embiid and Doc Rivers throw him under the bus, and then the Simmons, uh, the Sixers. Say uh, the next day, say and have Doc walk back the comments saying that they're they're very bullish on Ben, with uh, saying that they have a plan for helping Ben with his confidence. I'm sorry, Ben Simmons is not a child. Ben Simmons has been in the league over five years now. The popular theory with Ben Simmons is that he is shooting with the wrong hand, and he is too proud to admit that he's been shooting with the wrong hand and being ridiculed in public by actually making the proper shooting uh, hand change. That is the the knock on Ben Simmons. Uh, You know, Ben Simmons is scared of shooting. And and like there, there's a, there's two, uh, there's multiple, uh, like multiple people keep uh, talking about this. It's not, it's nothing new. It is nothing new. It, it, it's just, it's just, it, it, everyone keeps saying Ben Simmons is right-handed. He shoots with his left hand, but everyone keeps saying that he's he's a right-handed shooter. And it, it just doesn't make any sense uh, why he's shooting jump shots with his left hand when he fishes at the rim with his right hand. It, 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 none of it ever made any sense with Ben Simmons. He he can say he's ambidextrous all you want, but like if you're too afraid to shoot jump shots, it's incomparable that you can have an NBA point guard being that afraid of handling the ball. He was so afraid of going to the line that instead of actually running the point, he's setting screens for everyone on the Sixers. He's the point guard. Literally his job 
His job is to facilitate the offense and keep it moving. He wasn't even doing that. There's just nothing else. Uh, uh, there's nothing else you can say about Ben Simmons other than he quit on his team. But it's worse than quitting because at least if he quit, the team can work around that. Instead, you know, <laughs> instead Ben Simmons is literally tanking his team's chances of winning. Every second he's out there on the court, it, it's just, there's just, uh, man, it, there's just nothing else you can say of how how aggravating this is. And now we got an Ace of Conference Finals where, you know, the only reason why Atlanta should win a couple of games in this series is because of how incompetent I think Coach Bud is as an NBA head coach. There is no actual matchup with the Hawks, that they have a good matchup with the Bucks. Like, this is just a lopsided matchup. The Bucks' size and wingspan should frustrate the hell out of Trey, uh, uh, Trey Young. And to be honest, the Hawks, even with Capella, like, they're going to be spaced out by the Bucks. I don't see how this series stays really competitive. This, this is a very like. Uh, if this was properly managed, this could very easily be a sweep. And and not even a close series. This could just be a flat-out sweep. And it would not shock me in the slightest. But, you know, it is what it is. But it, it, it's just very frustrating. Like, ha- seeing, how, uh, seeing how this is unfolding in terms of the playoffs. Meanwhile, over in the West, and what is going to be the eventual NBA champion, we've got the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard playing the Phoenix Suns, uh, who are without Chris Paul because he's still in COVID protocols uh, for testing positive with COVID-19. Even with this uh, going on, I actually think, you know, not having Kawhi around has forced the Clippers to actually focus on executing half-court basketball, which was my knock on them the entire way through, that they refused to actually run half-court offense. Now that they don't have Kawhi, they have to run half-court offense because pushing uh, pushing pace isn't necessarily in their best interest because, uh, you know, they, they just don't have enough horses to actually get it done. The thing about this series that actually caught me off guard in Game 1 was the fact that you had Boogie Cousins emerge from the bench which we haven't seen Boogie Cousins uh, at all since uh, 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 since the Mavericks series. So it is interesting to see uh, Boogie Cousins uh, being back in the lineup. Now, in terms of the actual uh, series itself, I still think Phoenix is in the uh, driver's seat here. I, like, Phoenix is the better half-court team. Devin Booker is playing at an extremely high level, far more consistent than Paul George. Better score than Paul George. Obviously, uh, you know, everyone keeps talking about Paul George's defense, but Paul George is not guarding Devin Booker. He he cannot cover Devin Booker, in my opinion. They, they can try to have Paul George cover Devin Booker, but I think that, that speed speed alone is gonna is just going to make that uh, n- not an uh, advantageous matchup for George. So what do the Clippers basically have to do? They have to get to the free throw line. They got to try to get DeAndre Ayton out of the game with foul trouble. And I think playing more minutes for Boogie Cousins, Zubach is not going to, 
is not the kind of body that's really going to give uh, Aiden trouble. Uh, Boogie could give uh, uh, Aiden trouble, staying out of foul trouble. And they they just got to try to attack the paint uh, with their guards. That's the biggest thing uh, the Clippers can do. Now, from a DFS perspective, the question becomes, how do we make the, uh, the, the math work in terms of uh, so many salaries? Because, you know, Cousins is, uh, you know, we didn't, we didn't see uh, Cousins starting just because he hadn't been playing at all in the playoffs outside of one or two games in the Maverick series. You know, he was completely MIA uh, against Utah, and now he's back in. So uh, on DraftKings, uh, Cousins is going to go for uh, 2000 it makes more sense uh, to have Cousins in the lineup as the filler spot uh, in, the, in the utility spot. Uh, in the captain spot, I think it, it really comes down to if you think the Clippers are going to win, then you have to foresee that it's got to be a collective effort. I don't think it's uh, Paul George is going to be dropping 40-plus points on, on the Suns. I, I just I don't see that being a likely scenario. Kawhi could do it. Paul George, no, not so much. So, to me, the way you got to kind of think about your roster construction for a Phoenix side that just spreads the ball around, the captain uh, spot has to go to Booker. And then from there, you can kind of start filling in uh, the pieces uh, uh, elsewhere. Uh, so, if, uh, if it's, if it's going to be Booker in the captain spot, the way I see the pathway of making the math work kind of comes down to you play Booker, you play the Marcus Cousins at two two thousand, you got Rondo in at twenty six hundred, and you know I fill in some of these other pieces with Clippers or Suns players, um, but uh, you got Cameron Payne at sixty two hundred, and uh, you got Cameron Johnson at, at fifty four hundred. Uh, as uh, the most likely options that I would be putting in for Phoenix. I wouldn't necessarily put Aiton in at 9,200 because, to me, I don't think Aiton plays enough minutes to get to what is a projection of about 35 fantasy points. I just, to me, that seems a little bit high. Uh, I know he was around that point for game one, but I do think the Clippers are going to make a more concerted effort of trying to get Aiton into foul trouble. So it's just, uh, it's one of those things where, you know, I think it makes more sense to kind of concentrate on Clippers players. But to me, uh, the plays that I'd be looking at for the Clippers would be Cousins in the utility spot, Rondo uh, at 2,600. So Rondo and Cousins, to me, will be staples of my lineup tonight. And then you got a Terrace Man at 6,400. Now, the issue is you got Paul George at 12,000. Uh, 12, I don't. Paul George had a good game one. I'm not. I'm not going to say uh, he didn't have a good game one um, because uh, you know he shot ten of twenty six. Uh, he got through the free throw line, and you know he did put up fifty five fantasy points. He did. He's put up in the last uh, three uh, playoff games uh, fantasy point. Wise, he's put up 55 against the Suns in game seven against Utah. He put up 54 and in game six against Utah, which was his best playoff performance since his days in Indiana, he had 71 fantasy points. 
So I, I totally get people being on the Paul George bandwagon. But we know Paul George. And we know the clunker game is coming. I don't know if it's game two. But I do know that the Suns should be favored in this matchup. It would not put I would not put it past it if the Suns get up early on this game and really start uh, uh, putting the pressure on the Clippers that maybe the Clippers pack it in and you get more of a blowout risk. I'm just saying, to me, this game feels more along the lines of Suns blowout uh, more than anything else. And then if the Clippers somehow win, it's it's going to be a low-scoring game regardless because they uh, they were able to kind of slow down the Suns offensively, uh, kind of make it uh, more on Devin Booker to try to carry the load uh, throughout and uh, and just uh, and just uh, and cause uh, the Suns just to be even more low scoring than normal. Normally, the Suns hold everyone under a hundred points anyway. So again, it's I think you know the, the over under is at two twenty three. I I kind of see the under coming here in this matchup. So. To me, paying like Paul George is the most expensive player on the slate at 12K. Devin Booker's at 11.8. I think there's more upside with Booker because his, the ball is always going to be in his hands as opposed to Paul George, who's going to isolate on certain plays. But predominantly, the ball's not going to be in his hands. I would rather have the primary ball handlers on the Clippers. Uh, Reggie Jackson seems a little bit uh, too high priced at 8,600. But you know you can sprinkle uh, sprinkles uh, him in some lineups, but that's why I really like having Terrence Mann and Rondo because you know Rondo and Mann are going to get playing time. Uh, Patrick Beverly is kind of out of the rotation at this point, um, but he'll he'll get some minutes as well. But I, I do think that Rondo and uh, Rondo and Mann are more likely to uh, get the minutes over uh, PBAB. I think. Uh, Patrick Beverly is more of a situational uh, type guy. I think he's the fourth uh, guard uh, coming in uh, uh, because man has just supplanted him. And then in this series, uh, the Clippers know that they need Rondo's decision-making at the point to really manage the half-court defense that they're going to be facing. So to me, I'm almost okay with fading Paul George to get more Clippers guys in there and balance it out if you're having... Um, if you're having uh, Booker and the captain, meanwhile, if you're using uh, the idea that uh, the Clippers are going to win uh, win this uh, game too, then I like having one of the Clippers guards, whether it be Rondo or Mann, and as a cheap captain play, that way you can fit in Paul George uh, and Booker. But, you know, I just don't necessarily see Paul George hitting that value that we've seen. Like, I don't, I, I just don't see that uh, projection being in the 50s. I know he's going to be playing the minutes, but, you know, Paul George has been shooting the rock pretty well lately. But we know Paul George gets cold with his jumper. It's very hot and cold at times. That like, it, you know, uh, that's why the nickname of Way Off P started happening uh, lately uh, in, in, uh, in place of Playoff P because it's just. The inconsistency with Paul George, it, it's there. It is there. So, you know, we can't act like we're going to be shocked if Paul George comes up with a very, very pedestrian stat line tonight. So, 
to me, I think the way you play this is you play cheap clippers and the captain as your alternative to Devin Booker, but Devin Booker to me is the overall play at captain. Uh, and then, you know, Boogie Cousins, he's going to get, he's going to get the run. Now the, the matchup makes more sense. Uh, I really th- wish I had thought about Boogie Cousins uh, before game one, but you know, he had fallen so much out of the rotation that it, it really was a surprise to see him in there. And again, Boogie Cousins is likely to only be playing 10 to 12 minutes because Boogie conditioning wise is not there um, really to keep up uh, with uh, NBA basketball. He, you know, he's only like he hasn't even had a full season since multiple injuries has derailed his career over the last four years. Um, but uh, I, I do think Boogie Cousins uh, is going to play a factor in this series now um, just because it, it makes sense that the Clippers are going to be looking to attack DeAndre Ayton in the paint and try to open up space for those guards to penetrate. So to me, that's the way it goes. Uh, I know folks are going to be asking about the Phoenix bench. Uh, I mean, not bench, but like starters like Jay Crowder, Mikael Bridges. Um, Cameron Payne, uh, I'm fine with Cameron Payne. I'm fine with Cameron Johnson. Crowder and Bridges, I can take it or leave it with them because you know you're going to get a kind of low floor, but definitely a extremely low ceiling. And the thing is, with their prices keep inching up, a guy like Nicholas Batum has far more upside, to, uh, in my opinion, than either uh, Bridges or Crowder. Uh, Batum can get hot from behind the arc. Uh, Batum is priced in between both Bridges and Crowder. Crowder seventy two hundred, Bridges is seven as uh, seventy eight hundred, and Batum is seventy six hundred. To me, Batum has higher upside than both players, and also I don't understand the Mikael Bridges pricing because to me he's the exact same uh, projection range as Jay Crowder. You know, they're both going to be around. 27, 28 fantasy points. Like, that's just what they do. Like, they're not blowing past 30. Uh, they're just not. It's like they're consistently in that 25 to 30 range, and that's what they stay in their lane. They don't have pop-off games, whereas you can see some of these Clippers getting uh, um, some run, especially if it's a blowout situation where they're down double digits and they give Paul George rest, and then you can have Rondo or Mann or Beverly running with the backup unit, and then Batum gets more of the lead role of uh, trying to score the rock uh, in in that kind of blowout scenario. So I, I I do like Batum, and that's the reason why I'm okay with the potentially fading Paul George narrative because I I do think the Suns win this matchup to go up two games to none. Um, and you know there are other uh assets on the Clippers that, to me, have more potential to um, surge past in terms of uh, fantasy output than uh, what's uh, initially being uh, projected. So uh, that's my take on the game uh, for NBA tonight. Obviously, we'll have the Eastern Conference Finals starting up on Wednesday night, and we'll kind of go from there. Uh, We also have hockey tonight, you know. I already got the Habs fans chirping at me about how they're playing so much better against Vegas. Listen, I'm just going to say this point blank. Vegas took their foot off the gas pedal after uh, beating the Avalanche, 
and they're trying to find themselves again because they gave away game three uh, on that uh, uh, on Mark Andre Fleury puck mishandle uh, to uh, to give uh, another win to the Habs. So they got two wins. You know the, the the bets I had are already done and dusted. Yes, the Habs won two games, uh, and they should have lost both of those games. To be perfectly honest, so the series should have been over in my opinion. But you know it is what it is. The Habs. Uh, have made it a, a, a two out of three series, but I just there's no, there's no way you can tell me that the Habs are a better team. Uh, if we're looking at this objectively, the Golden Knights are a much better team than the, the Montreal Canadiens. It's just that the Golden Knights have shot themselves in the foot repeatedly in this series. If they clean it up, I think you'll see a very similar dumping to what uh, Tampa Bay was actually able to do to the Islanders last night, putting up, uh, uh, what was it, seven or eight goals I lost track at the very end of the, f- of the final score. But, uh, you know, Tampa blitzed uh, the Isles last night uh, to move within a game of uh, the NHL Finals. And I think we're going to see a very similar result with Vegas. I think Vegas pours it on Montreal uh, to push them to the brink of elimination. I, I you know, I just look at this as this is going to be a Tampa Vegas final. Um, I just do not see the Habs uh, winning this game tonight. I, I would be absolutely stunned if uh, if uh, the Habs actually uh, won this game. So, uh, you know, that's all I got. But, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll wrap up the show there and, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll see how the games uh, pan out. But uh, that's all for now. And, uh, you know, the less we hear from anyone saying trust the process, the better, because I am so glad to retire that phrase. Good riddance. So have a good, uh, a good slate, everyone. Enjoy the games, and uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how uh, the winners uh, shake out. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major outlets. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.